What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. So the message title today, if you're taking notes, and you should be, uh, we take notes because during the week we want to look at what God was speaking in this moment so that we can continue to grow and develop the things that God is speaking to us collectively as a church as well as you individually. Uh, but today's message is called Legacy is a Reflection. Legacy is a Reflection. And, uh, and, and that's not a word that's foreign to us. Like we all, we've all heard the word legacy in different times and whether it's connected to a famous person or an athlete or, or you know, whatever, like what is their legacy, right? Um, there, there's a, a couple of individuals that I picked out, not just to, to just because they're well-known figures that have well-known legacies. You know, you look at somebody like a, a Steve Jobs who's no longer alive, and you would say, like, well, what's his legacy? Okay, well, it's technology. It's, uh, it's, it's the iPhone, right, which is su- superior. Uh, it is the um, <laughs> people texting me with a green bubble. Come on now. <clears throat> just kidding. I love you. Um, you know, it's just, it's just hard when there's a group text. And there's one person with the Android. Okay, anyway, sorry. Grace. No. People, people leaving the church right now. I just they're like, I see, I see that, uh, I see that Samsung back there. Anyway. <laughs> but with Steve Jobs, you know what was is as great as the things that he accomplished, and even other people who have been, you know, like the tech field and all these type of things and technology. Uh, it's, it's also kind of on the, on the flip side of that coin, it's really sad to see how, like, at the end of his life, the way that um, not just that he suffered physically, but even in his own journey, really questioning everything that he gave his life to. Like, what does this even matter? Like, at the end of the day, and, 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 and for us, we have the opportunity to live a life where we don't have to wonder when it's all over if it was worth it. Kind of on the contrast to that, you look at somebody like a Mother Teresa, and, and nobody, at least that I know, is like, yeah, she was a fraud. You know, it's like, no, Mother Teresa, like, wow. Like, we know her legacy. Like, her, her selflessness, like, of charity. And it wasn't just charity. The world wants to call it charity, but we know that it was gospel-centered ministry impacted and focused and, and steered by the gospel of Jesus Christ as she created uh, leper colonies and orphanages, hospitals, a global network that, that did all those things that literally just came out of a selfless desire for her life to count for something so much bigger than herself. And at the end of the day, guys, that's really what it means when we talk about legacy. Um, here, here's, here's kind of the, the, the flip side of that, is that in the kingdom of God, in, and when it comes to being a son or a daughter of God, like your legacy, it's not about you. Like when we, when we kind of think of it from a world standpoint, your legacy more commonly is tied to like how much money you made and um, you know, you know, how's your family? You know, are they healthy? Are you able to, you know, earn enough to kind of take care of your family and your kids? And that's good stuff. Like you should. Uh, are you are you able to kind of, you know, try to not be in a whole lot of debt? You know, what are you what are you going to be known for? Were you a nice person? Were you a jerk face? Like were you, you know, like what were you known for? Like that's that's kind of how the world looks at legacy. But in the kingdom of God is different. Kind of like everything else in the kingdom of God is different, right? 
Because Jesus tells us, hey, if you want to be first, be last. If you want to be a leader, serve. If, if, if you want to uh, uh, gain, if you want to, to, to get, then you need to learn how to give of yourself. Uh, it, it, everything in the kingdom of God seems to work backwards. And, uh, and, I, and I would venture to say and even submit that it actually it's not backwards. We just live in a world that's backwards from how God operates. And, uh, and that has to be addressed, but that's for another, another message. Um, let, me, let me give you... Uh, one scripture here, and this isn't our main text. We're in, a, in a moment, we're going to go to, to uh, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's in the New Testament. If you want to go ahead and get ahead of me and get to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you can. We'll get to there in a second. Uh, but I want to I give you this initial thought because we have to understand something. That when it comes to our life being used um, to, to, to spread the legacy of Jesus, because I skipped that part. That's actually the, the pretty focal point of this message is that we're not living a life to build our own legacy. We're living a life that builds and, sh- and spreads the legacy that already exists in Christ. Like that's our, that's our whole thing. Not to like, I don't, I don't care if people, when my life is over, I don't care if people know what Craig's life was lived for. I just wanna know that the impact of my life that pointed people to Jesus continues on past myself. Like how many millions and millions and millions of people lived powerful legacies for the kingdom of God, but, and they're gone, but nobody knows who they are. Because that's not what it's about. But what we do see as a living, lasting legacy of Jesus Christ through the people that are called the church is that the message of Jesus continues. And that's what God's going for. He wants to see what Jesus started be a legacy that continues through our life. But in order for our life to be used by God, we can't give Jesus some of our life. We can't give God most of our life. Like in order for us to be effective in tapping into the legacy of Christ in and through us to the world around us, we have to surrender 100% of ourselves to the Lord. Because when we don't surrender 100% of ourselves to the Lord, I mean, it's, it's pretty basic math. We're not giving him everything, <laughs> which means that we actually end up diminishing the legacy. How many great legacies have been destroyed by one small part of it? Think about that for a second. I mean, shoot, we could even talk about that within the church world and the kingdom of God. It's so unfortunate, but it happens everywhere, right? Because the world, we're full of broken people. Not in this room. Y'all are great. Y'all are perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. But outside of this room, the world is filled with broken people. That's a lie. Y'all are jacked up. But it's okay. So am I and God's good. So he takes care of the rest. But, but we want to make sure that, hey, God, do you have everything? Have I surrendered everything to you? Have I surrendered my will? Have I surrendered my preferences? Have I surrendered my idea of who I think I am? Have I surrendered myself to what your word says about me? And if I haven't, then God, would you take it all? Man, I'm telling you, if, if, if you get nothing else out of today other than that whole take it all piece, then please take that. Because you will never see what God intended for you until you fully surrender yourself to everything that he is. But check this out. In, in, in 1 Corinthians, here's just kind of a preface first. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, it's got a really... Uh, crucially vital and important intro, and then it kind of hits it home with the last verse here. It says, run from sexual sin. And that's not our message today, but it's really important in this passage. Run from it. It doesn't say, like, dodge it. You know, it's like, lean, lean away from it. <laughs> kind of like, awkwardly walk away from it. No, it says, run 
from sexual sin because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. And wow, we could go for days. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Verse, uh, verse 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? That is for those who have received Christ. That's how you actually uh, receive the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's not just a normal thing for all human beings. It's the will of God, but only for those who say yes and for those who acknowledge who God is and surrender and receive him into their life. But here's the kicker right here. You do not belong to yourself. That is so counter for absolutely everything else in our world right now. Like even in some parts of the church world, that needs air quotes because it really doesn't fit. In some parts of the church world, there is a teaching out there that doesn't, that ignores this altogether. We want to make Jesus cater to our life instead of surrendering our lives to be a part of the legacy of Christ. And scripture's telling us, can't do it because you don't even belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. Pop quiz. Do you know what the high price was? It was Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus. It was him going to the cross for us. Like that is the high price. It was a life. Life was taken so that you could have life. And if we lose sight of that, we lose sight of the value of what it even means to be a part of what God is doing. It cost God greatly for the legacy of the kingdom of God to be spread. So you don't belong to yourself. You were bought with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It takes full surrender. We gotta give God absolutely everything. So, so let me talk about reflection, like that word reflection. We're talking about legacy is a reflection. And, and we all know because we've all looked in mirrors, um, some more than others. Um, I, love, I love going to the, to the gym and watching other people who just, you know, it's, it's great. They love themselves. It's good. <laughs> That's uh, in the Bible, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And some people are just really good at the gym at loving themselves and, um, and then taking pictures and letting other people see how much they love themselves <laughs> and showing a lot of themselves as they love themselves. So actually, it's super awkward. <laughs> I said, I love it. I really don't. It's uh, I'm trying to work out. You're like, good Lord, have some security. Anywho, all right, so reflection. Reflection, um, to, to throw back, talking about like heat, light, or sound, to throw back without absorbing it. Uh, another definition, to, sh uh, to show an image of, and here's one that actually really kind of connects to the, the spiritual component of what we're talking about, um, and to embody or represent something in a faithful or appropriate way. And, and uh, what's kind of interesting is that, you know, when you get and you look in a mirror, the mirror does not ex absorb your image and then give it back to you. It's just a surface reflection. But in the kingdom of God, we do kind of a combination of both. We are absorbing who God is in us, and then we are reflecting what we have absorbed back to the world around us. And, uh, and what gets a little bit dicey and challenging, if we will, is when we begin to reflect something back to the world that is not being reflected from God. Yet we do so with the Christian name tag. And that's when it gets a little dicey. It gets a little messed up because the world... Here's the, here's the, I firmly believe this. The world wants the church to be what we're supposed to be so badly. 
Like I honestly believe that they, maybe, maybe uh, and I know we're general terms of the world, maybe they wouldn't say that or verbalize that, but I hear the opposite of it all the time, which helps me know that they are watching. I don't wanna be a part of X, Y, and Z because all I see is hypocrisy. All I see is rules and regulations. All I see is people acting one way and then I see them at the same club I'm at acting just like I'm acting. So if they're reflecting what I'm supposed to be, then I don't even need to change because I'm already there. And so we gotta ask ourselves some pretty tough questions. Are we reflecting the world back to the world or are we absorbing the reality of who God is and reflecting that back to the world around us? There's so much vying for our focus, but we have to keep our eyes on Jesus because you can only reflect what you're pointed towards. You can only reflect what you are pointed towards. So let's go ahead and get into this passage in 2 Corinthians. Let's read through this, um, 2 Corinthians chapter three. I forgot to turn there myself, that's okay. We're gonna start in verse seven and read a few verses here because this is a powerful, uh, a a very powerful, piece of scripture. And I hope you guys are taking notes and leaning into this. Starting in verse seven, it says the the old way with laws etched in stone. And again, this is a reference talking to the Old Testament and uh, which does not mean that the Old Testament is irrelevant. It's not valid because it's old. No, it's, it's equally relevant and valid and valuable when you bring it into partnership with the New Testament. That's why we have, that's why we have the Bible because they work in conjunction together. Um, It says, but the the old way which was etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses. And again, we're taking this into a period of time where Moses was leading leading the nation of Israel out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt, eventually leading them to the promised land where Joshua took the lead and then led the people into the promised land. And Moses would go and would meet with God, literally, not just go have some cute devotion time, which that's great, but literally to the point where his face literally shone the glory of God when he came back from those times. It says, for his face, well, I just said that, shone with the glory of God. How about that? Even though the brightness was already fading away, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, because the laws helped us to see how jacked up we actually were, and how much we really needed God, but also how much we didn't have what it took to actually do the things that honored God. That's why we have this new way. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, so it was glorious. That said it right there, the old way was glorious. How much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, the first way was glory, or I'm sorry, was not glorious compared to the overwhelming glory of the new way. And if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which remains forever. So since we have, I'm sorry, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Somebody say bold. Like we get to be bold with God. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face. First of all, try to visualize that because that's kind of funny. Just visualizing Moses walking around with like, he looked like some type of like beekeeper, like an apiary, just got like something over his face all the time. I've never thought about that before. Um, but we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were very hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. There it is, that's a big deal. The veil can only be removed, not by 
education and working hard, those things are important, but they're not gonna remove the veil in our hearts. Only Jesus can do that. Yes, even today, um, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. Verse 16, this is where it gets really, really real and starts to kind of come in. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We love that scripture, but sometimes we don't understand the context of it. <clears throat> it says, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect. Say see and reflect. So we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. There's a word for that process. It's called sanctification. Sanctification is the process of being saved. I don't want to go into too much of the theology here because it's worthy. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. We are saved the moment that we say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our, our spirit is eternally saved, like our eternal destiny is formed in that moment. But then we live life. Because I don't know if you realize this, you're still on, you're still on earth. <laughs> you're still here. You didn't say, yes, Jesus, I believe, and then like beam me up Scotty, like it didn't happen. You're still here because there's life to live. And so we were saved. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, we are being saved because our mind, our thoughts, our wills, our emotions are every day having to be submitted to the Lord. So we're being saved, not in the context of, oh no, bad thought, lost salvation, let's get saved again. No, I'm talking about you becoming more and more like the image of God. Not becoming God, that's a different religion that believes that. We don't become God, but we do become the image of God because we are reflecting something that the world needs to see. And that only happens when we surrender ourselves fully to the Lord and live surrendered so that we can see and reflect. So that we can see it and we can reflect it. We're gonna focus on verse 18 with a couple of these thoughts. But God talk about the veil. Like what, when, when the veil is removed, we can see and reflect the glory of God. What is the veil? Like what does that mean? All right, let's, let's break down the metaphor. Um, obviously it talks about Moses, goes back to like Exodus 34 in the beginning of scripture where the whole story is happening. Moses would leave the people, go up on Mount Sinai, meet with the Lord, like really meet with the Lord. Like as face to face as you can meet with the Lord and not be struck down because you've encountered the perfect presence of God. And he was so deeply impacted in the environment where he was. This is when he returned, literally, it's just, I mean, how, come on, think about this. How weird was this? Like here comes, it's middle of the night. Here comes Moses. How do you know? I can see his face. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know if it was, y'all remember like the claymation Christmas movies with like, with, uh, with Rudolph? And like, it came off. It was like, even made a noise. I don't know if that was like Moses' face. It's weird to me. And clearly it was weird enough to everybody else and freaked them out so much to the point that he had to wear a veil over his face. It just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. But it paints a relevant picture for us today, realizing that there is a veil, and even talks about the heart, not over our faces, but there is a veil in our heart that keeps us from seeing the glory of God. And God's desire is that we would have that veil removed from us. So what is the veil? Okay, the veil is anything, we'll break this down a little more specifically, but the veil is anything that is inside of your life that is keeping you from full surrender and seeing the glory of God through your life, anything. 
So the veil in your life could be sin that you haven't dealt with. It could be sin that you refuse to deal with because it confronts too much of who you think you are. Like that, that's, that's something that I feel like this year we're gonna hit hard. And it's not because we're trying to bring people to a place of condemnation. That's not actually what God does. The Holy Spirit brings people to change through conviction. Condemnation beats you over the head and you feel guilty for all that, how jacked up you are. Conviction says you're headed the wrong direction, but I wanna give you some life and take you in a new direction. But in order for us to do that, especially in our American culture, we have to reject what the world is telling us is okay that scripture says is not okay. Like we, we don't get to tell Jesus what, what, what part of his truth we like. That's part of the surrender. And at times that can be really hard, I get it. And God's not trying to downplay how hard it might be for you to have a breakthrough in some area in your life. But what he is doing is he is constantly bringing you the opportunity and the moments and the right people around you and his word and his spirit so that you can find freedom. It talked about the freedom that happens when we have the veil removed from our heart and our life. And I, and I wanna tell you something, you will have a lot more success getting freedom in your life when you spend less time pointing at other people's veils. That was in case there's any religious folk up in the house that needed to hear something. We're good at talking about other people's veils. Mm, don't they even know that's in the Bible? I'm sorry, whenever I get like the religious thing, like a weird Southern voice always comes out. Don't, don't they even know? Anyway. But we gotta deal with the veil in our own life, guys. Like your, your veil, it, it could be like, let's name it. Like not you out loud, this is between, don't do that. That'd be weird. I'd be like, ooh, time to pray. Um, but like, you know, addiction in your life that you have given up on, that's a veil. And, and, uh, and the reason why you've given up on it is because you've tried to do it yourself and you can't. You're like, well, I guess this is just what I have to live with. I guess this is just who I am. God says, no, it's not who you are. You're reflecting something that doesn't actually reflect the glory of God. It, it, it could be brokenness. It could be, well, um, it's how my grandfather was, it's how my dad was, it's how I'm gonna be. No, that's a veil and it's gotta go. You're reflecting something that's broken. God's trying to bring you to something that will reflect the goodness of who God is. Um, I, I, virtual reality. Uh, Jacob, I have to say, like, I saw some of your stories and it inspired me. It was hilarious. Like he was, I was watching like on, following him on Instagram and like at his, at his business, like he was having some people doing some VR and, and it was funny to watch. And, but it had me thinking, like I've seen some crazy stuff, like people trying VR. How many of y'all have seen those? Like social media, whatever, online, you know, where people are just doing some dumb stuff. They're just trying something out. You know, put on the goggles. They can't see anything except what's here. And all of a sudden solid ground disappears, right? And people can't even walk. Like you see videos of people just, just, they take off into a full sprint, somehow forgetting that they are in an eight by eight room, right? Just full sprint, bam, right into a wall. You're like, what is wrong with them? Like they know where they are. Why did they run full on into that wall? Why did they just literally jump into a TV and crash? Like it makes no sense because they're living in a virtual reality. They're living, they're, they're literally, they're, what they are seeing is being reflected through what they are doing. And so I, I know it kind of picking on VR can be fun and everything, but in our, in our own world, we have to look at the reality that there is a virtual reality people are stepping into so that they can detach from what they think their real reality is. We're, we're, we're addicted to VR, veil reality, when God's trying to take us over to GR, which is God's reality. 
And, and for us to do that, there's no other way than full surrender. There's no, there's no shortcuts. There's, there's no bypass. There's no, well, you know, according, you know, I think culture is different now, so things are different. No, the word of God is not different. God's not different. Yes, culture is different, but the word of God doesn't bend and change to fit culture. The word of God shows up to bend and change culture back into what God said it was supposed to be. And that's not religious, that's not rigid, that's not judgmental, that's actually the love and the holiness and the truth and the grace of God at work because he sees his sons and daughters, he sees his broken creation and his heart cries out to wanna have relationship with you. But he knows that he can't do that if the veil is still covering you. We've gotta have humility within ourselves to say, God, I'm tired of trying to make this veil work. I'm, I'm tired of trying to make this veil be a part of my spiritual outfit. I'm just living with the veil. I'm good with the veil. I gotta make do with the veil. God's saying, no, the veil's gotta go. The sin has to go. The addiction has to go. The brokenness has to go. And no, please don't get this wrong. I'm not saying everything has to be perfect so that God will love you and you can be saved. Nope, that's not what we're talking about. God loves you in the midst of your brokenness. And then he loves you so much that he refuses to keep you that way. So if you continue to say yes to the journey of following Jesus, and you say, yes, I trust you. I don't know what this looks like, God, and, it, and actually kind of right now it feels a little painful, but I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust that your word is true. I'm gonna trust God that you're not out to hurt me, you're not out to harm me, but you're actually out to give me a legacy that is connected to the reason why I'm alive. You'll see God do absolutely amazing things. Real quickly, I mean, there's, there's two things. It said we, we can see and reflect the glory of God. Let, let's make this tangible. Because the reflection part is actually, uh, happens automatic when we know how to see the glory of God. When we talk about the glory of God, we're actually talking about his nature, his goodness, his, God's identity. Like, no, it's not, it's not like, God, show me your glory. And he just splits the heavens and peeks his face out. Hey guys, glory, closes the heavens. You're like, all right, cool, I can do that. No, we're talking about connecting to the identity and the image, the nature of God, the heart of God. And that's the beauty even of the plan of God is that he sent his son, not just to die on the cross for us, but to also show us what the glory of God looks like and to show us how it is possible for you and I to reflect that same glory. We can actually do what Jesus did. You know, and when you're a kid and you're really innocent and you take that literally, like I've, when I was a kid, I tried to walk on water, let's be honest. Okay, I was a young adult, tried to walk on water. You get about one step and no. You're like, I thought I could do what Jesus did. All right, let's, let's stop being so sting literal and talk about like the way that Jesus lived his life. Jesus lived sinless. Is it possible for us to live sinless? Most of us would say no, because we've been so catered to be okay with sin being in our life that we've rejected the reality of what's possible through full surrender and following Jesus. Jesus healed people. The power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' followers has the ability to do the same thing. No, that was not just for a small period of time in the Bible to really kind of gather a following as for today. Jesus doesn't heal because he's trying to get numbers and entertain. Jesus heals because he loves. And the power of God is still at work today, healing and delivering and setting free. Like miracles don't happen today. Well, then you can't be saved because the greatest miracle that's ever existed is when your eternal destination transforms in an instant because of a confession of your heart. 
This is how we see God's glory. Really quick, if you're taking notes, just write down these main thoughts in the scripture reference. I'll read some of it, but not a lot. We're, almost, we're out of time. How do we see God's glory? First of all, through his creation. Through his creation. Romans chapter one, it actually says, it tells us that no one has an excuse. No one has an excuse to not know that God exists. Why? Because he has revealed himself in his invisible qualities through his creation. We see the sky, we see the earth, we see people, we see, uh, we see space, we see the sun, we see stars, we see the mountains. God's like, yeah, that's part of my nature. That's my work. No one's without excuse. And let me tell you this, because I've had people argue with me like, well, you know, people have to choose Jesus. So what about, you know, tribes in other parts of the world that have never seen anybody from the outside? They've never, and, and I'm like, don't worry about that. God loves them way more than you ever could. God will take care of that. You don't need to worry about that. And that even gets proven when you hear stories of missionaries that do show up in remote, unreached people groups. And I've heard this story multiple times where they were literally, they will show up to a tribe and try to come in and integrate and meet and learn language and try to figure out how to present the gospel only to see a cross standing in the middle of their village. And they're like, well, how'd you, how'd you do that? What, what do you know about that? Oh, somebody showed up to us and told us about this God that gave his life for the world. They're like, wow, so... Literally, Jesus is doing some missionary work himself. Listen, guys, don't worry about the rest of the world. We need to obey when God calls us. And like we did today, we will send people when God creates connections and anointing and opportunity and missionaries. But don't think for one second that we can try to justify our arguments against God because we think we know the world better than he does. God's gonna get to the world. We see his glory through his creation. We see his glory by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter three says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. The next one, we see God's glory by keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's not just about you raising your hand and praying a prayer on a Sunday. There, there's so many people that have raised their hand and prayed a prayer because they don't wanna go to hell, but then we leave and we continue to live however we want to. That's actually called Christian Buddhism. We'll talk about that another time. I don't want anybody on my journey or tell me how to walk my journey or tell me what I can believe or what I can and can't do. I'm gonna do this on my own and I'm gonna do what makes sense to me. But I don't wanna go to hell. So I'm gonna raise my hand and I'm gonna pray this prayer, but I don't wanna change nothing else. Not only do we need to put our faith in Jesus, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Check this out, Hebrews 12 too. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's where I got it. <laughs> okay. It says the champion, Jesus, is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Salvation comes when we put our faith in Jesus and then we receive the grace of God. But this is telling us that even to have that seed of faith inside of you, that wasn't from you. Because Jesus is the one who initiates our faith. I'm telling you, man, even today in this room, whatever, wherever you're listening online, podcast later, or whether you take this and you go talk to some friends about this, you need to know that God never stops creating intersections of faith in people's life. God loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son that who would ever believe in him would, would be saved, would not perish, but would have everlasting life. You got to understand the heart of God for the world, for the whole world. God's desire is that none should perish. And he's making a way 
and he's planting seeds of faith. He's creating intersections of conversation and, and relationship and moments and supernatural moments and natural moments where he's trying to plant that seed of faith so that when the time comes and you choose to receive that and put that faith in something, you see Jesus and you put your faith in Jesus. But if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, then we will begin to reflect the things that we do put our eyes on. Don't accept Jesus into your heart and then lock him up in a prison and then go back to the same broken world that you lived in before. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's not just initiating your faith, he's also gonna perfect it. Last but not least, being faithful in the word of God. And we, we don't have to worry like, oh, I wanna hear God's voice. I wanna, you know, hey, if God starts speaking to you, fantastic. If you start hearing it, great. But God speaks to everybody right here. It's not the only way, but it's the first way. And every other way that God might communicate to you will never contradict what's right here. People are like, Holy Spirit told me this. I'm like, well, that's weird because that contradicts scripture. So you might want to double check the spirit you're listening to. It's probably just yourself. No, we got to get into the word. John, I'm sorry, uh, Joshua 1.8. I love this passage. You're like, it's Old Testament, it's not relevant. No, it's 100% relevant. It applies to us today, Joshua 1.8. God's speaking to Joshua as he's getting ready to take leadership of Israel and take them into the promised land. And he says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, somebody say only then. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Take it for yourself. That's not just for Joshua, that's for us. The word of God will lead you in life, in wisdom, in all godliness, in relationships, in finances, in everything, in parenting, in marriage. God will lead you in all wisdom throughout all the things. And if you can keep the word of God on the forefront of your life, you will be successful in all that you do. Most of our challenges end up being because we are doing things out of the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding of the world that contradicts the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the word, and it creates a fruit of brokenness that we then have to go back and surrender to the Lord and receive healing from. And God's here to say, you don't have to do that. You don't have to learn the hard way. You don't have to be hurt and then figure out how to not get hurt. Come to me and keep your eyes on me and I will give you direction and I will give you purpose and I will give you life and you will succeed in all the things that you do. Church, listen, this is only possible when we keep our eyes on Jesus and when we begin to see the glory of God, then we can begin to reflect the glory of God. I'm telling you, your relationships need to see the glory of God in your life. Your workplace needs to see the glory of God in your life. The realities and the challenges of your life need to see the glory of God reflected. Your children need to see the glory of God reflected. Our, our political system needs to see the glory of God reflected. Our world needs to see the glory of God reflected. And it's not gonna be done through goodwill humanitarian efforts. That has value and it accomplishes some things, but it won't change anything. Reflecting the glory of God to the world around us is gonna be the thing that actually changes things. And God's not just looking for people to get by, he's looking for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you do me a favor, bow your head, close your eyes. I wanna pray right now. Pray for two people. The first group I wanna pray for are for those who are like, I got veils in my life that gotta go. I got veils in my life that gotta go. I'm not gonna ask you to shout them out. That's not an order and that's not appropriate, but you need to know that in your own heart, you gotta take these things to God. Say, God, would you remove the veil from my heart? Would you deal with the sin in my heart that I've 
either refused to deal with or have given up dealing with because it was hard. The addiction, the brokenness, unforgiveness, doubt, shame, all these things that keep us separated from the glory of God. Whatever that is in you right now, even, even just under your breath or in your heart, just start to surrender those things to the Lord. Say, God, would you remove this veil? Would you remove this veil from my heart? Would you remove the veil from my mind? I wanna see you, God, I wanna see your glory. And I wanna be able to reflect it in my own life. God is faithful, he is so faithful. He's not dangling carrots in front of you to try to do something for your life. No, his love and his grace and his mercy is what positions us to be able to receive everything that he wants to give us so that we can walk a legacy out that honors Jesus Christ and continues what Jesus started on this earth 2,000 years ago that's still going today. God wants to use your life for that. And you'll never be more fulfilled. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in lives right now. That you are a God of freedom and you are right now supernaturally bringing people into a place of new freedom. Father, we break off the lies of the enemy. We break off the lies of self. We break off the things that have been placed on us by other people. We break off veils that are in our life because of generational sins that have been passed on that haven't been dealt with. God, we thank you right now that you are bringing people into a place of freedom in this house. God, I pray that addiction right now would be freed. Alcohol addiction, drug addiction, sexual addiction. Father, we pray for those things to be broken off right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I thank you right now that the veils of broken relationships are being broken off right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you are restoring, that you are healing. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the veil of raising up another generation of Jesus followers, Lord, that the veil that are keeping us from that is breaking off. Lord God, that you are emboldening and empowering parents, mothers and fathers to speak words of life and truth, to be involved in the details and the messy details of their children's lives, Lord God, so that they can lead them to be people that understand how to see and reflect the glory of God. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.